Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to this La Liga Lowdown podcast on Samuel Etu. Coming out to you this Thursday, April 2nd, exactly 20 years to the day after he scored his first ever goal in Spain's top flight for Mallorca against Espanyol. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and we'll be hearing about his time at Mallorca and also about his success for Barcelona, for Inter Milan, for Cameroon and many of his other clubs too. We'll start by hearing about his low-key Real Madrid career with Paco Pollitt telling this first chapter of the Samuel Eto'o story. If we talk Samuel Eto'o, people usually associate his career with his breakout years in Mallorca or the handful of trophies he collected when playing for Barca. However, his beginnings are usually unknown for the average fan, even though this player's particular story is pretty dramatic. Samuel Eto'o was born on March 10, 1981, in the village of Mekon, very close to the city of Yaoundé, Cameroon's capital. He was raised in a humble family with his brothers and sisters. His father was an accountant and his mother worked as a Fisherwoman. They soon moved to the capital where Samuel began playing when he was four at a local team. His uncle made a big contribution to his fandom after he bought the kid a real football made of leather. His love for Cameroonian legend Roger Milla did the rest. Samuel never really liked going to school. Instead, he spent most of his time kicking the ball around. His father didn't really like his son not taking seriously his education, but he ultimately bought Samuel his first pair of boots made of rubber, the only material available around. By that point, Samuel was already 10 and his family had moved back to Douala, Cameroon's biggest city and a big focal point for the country's football. Eto played for another small club, Brasseries, and when he was 12, he was signed by Avenir Douala, one of the city's professional clubs. He did it even though the Football Federation specifically disallowed the signing of players of that age. His goals and skills kept increasing and he kept rising through the ranks. Remember, at that age he was playing against 20-year-olds in Cameroon's second division and he managed to keep up both physically and quality-wise. It was only a sign of things to come. The next season he signed for UCB Douala, another second division side, where he was finally able to help his family with the salary of his first professional contract. He was there for three seasons 
seasons and kept making his resume more and more impressive. He played the cup with Douala and was able to knock out a first division side, Tonnerre, in a game where he scored a brace. Later that year, when he was only 15, Eto got his first international cap for Cameroon, but he played first a couple of games with the under-18 national team. One of those games was played in Ivory Coast and again Cameroon won with a 4-2 score, another brace scored by our man. Amongst the crowd was Real Madrid legend Pirri, who after retiring was working as a scout for the club. That's how Real Madrid discovered Samuel Eto'o. Things went very quickly from that point onward. Eto'o was officially a Real Madrid player in February 1997, when he hadn't still celebrated his 16th birthday. A few months later, due to the almost impossible chance of playing in such a big side full of star players, Real loaned him to Leganes. Los Pepineros were on a hot streak in Segunda División and had the dream of trying to promote. It wouldn't be possible, but a legendary friendship was forged between the newcomer Eto and the captain of the team, veteran Jose Jesus Mesas. Samuel wear the number 11 shirt and scored four goals in the 1997-1998 season. He also was a member of the starting lineup in the opening game of a beloved Estadio de Butarque in February 1998. That summer, Eto would be back to Real Madrid, but his friendship with Mesas remained. One year later, Mesas retired and became the agent for the Cameroonian striker. Eto has always spoken fondly about Leganes and has a very tight bond with the club, even today. This first stage in Spain ended in the 1998-1999 season, with Hiddink at the helm in Real Madrid, again zero chances to play, and again another loan, this time mid-season to Real Club Deportivo Español. There, things were dramatically different for the forward in regards to his time in Butarque. This time the coach, the Argentinian Miguel Ángel Brindisi didn't really have confidence in Samuel and it showed. Eto played zero La Liga games in six months and he even suffered from depression for a while. When he returned to Real Madrid in summer 1999, he was more than ready to prove to everyone that he was a much bigger striker than anybody could foresee at that point. He was going to do what he always did best, prove his naysayers wrong. After those first years on the Spanish mainland, it was on the island of Mallorca that Eto really burst onto the scene and where he scored his first top flight goal that I mentioned at the top of the podcast. To pick up this part of the story, here is Mallorca based Alex Fitzpatrick. Following on from his loans at Leganes and Espanyol, Samuel Eto'o was unable to force himself into the side at Real Madrid in the 99-2000 season. Los Blancos' squad was packed with stars and he found himself behind the likes of Fernando Morientes, Raul and Nicolas Anelka in the pecking order. In desperate need of game time, Real Madrid manager John Toshak advised another loan for Eto'o and this time he was heading to the island of Mallorca in the January of the year 2000, where he was welcomed with open arms by Mallorca head coach Fernando Vasquez. Eto was short on match fitness due to his lack of game time and again found himself down the pecking order behind an on-fire Diego Tristan and his strike partner Carlitos. It took Eto a month before he got his first start, but once he was up to speed, he lit up the Mallorca side, forming a formidable partnership with Diego Tristan. 
Eto'o picked up six goals in his nine starts in a run of games that included a brace for him in the 3-0 victory over Barcelona at Camp Nou. His run of starts in the side saw Mallorca catapult themselves from relegation threatened to the shoulder of qualifying for Europe before they fell away in the final two games of the season. Eto'o continued with Mallorca the following season and legendary coach Luis Aragones was the new man in the Sommosh dugout. They mutually benefited from their time together, with Eto'o learning from an incredibly experienced manager and Aragones using Eto'o's 11 La Liga goals to propel Mallorca into the Champions League qualifying spots as they finished third ahead of Barcelona and just nine points behind the title winners Real Madrid. Eto's permanent transfer to Mallorca was a complicated one that was finally completed in June 2001 after he'd been at the club for 18 months. Club president Matteo Alemani reached an agreement for his transfer with Real Madrid, the owner of the strikers' rights. Alemani announced that Madrid had included a buyback and a sell-on clause for the striker as part of the deal. Real Madrid had tried to transfer Eto to Deportivo La Coruña, but after successive years of movement around different clubs, Eto preferred to continue what he had started on the island. The spell at Mallorca was really the making of Eto as a player. He served under two managers of real note at Mallorca. In 2000-2001, Luis Aragones, who had previously managed almost every single top side Spain had to offer, Barcelona, Atleti, Sevilla, Betis, Valencia and Espanyol, he would also go on to be Spain manager. He was also managed by Gregorio Manzano, the legendary Mallorca coach who oversaw five of Mallorca's best years in their history whilst in La Liga. He also was able to line up alongside some top, top players during his time at Mallorca. Diego Tristan, and Finidi George. It was Walter Pandiani who was partnering Samuel Eto when the club reached their biggest achievement in their history, the 2002-2003 Copa del Rey final win. Prior to the final, Eto had decided that he wanted to reward the Mallorca fans, who he said had shown him such love and loyalty. At first, he thought about paying for their transport to the final. But on realising that the transport was so cheap within Spain anyway, instead he donated €30,000 so that everybody could eat. As he put it, I am inviting everyone to a grand paella. Whilst their final opposition was not one of the big boys of Spanish football, Mallorca had beaten Eto's former club Real Madrid in the quarterfinals, Eto himself scoring a brace in the second leg at Son Mosh. They'd then gone on to beat Deportivo La Coruña in the semi-final. Recreativo Huelva stood between Mallorca and the trophy. Cometh the hour, cometh the man, and Eto was central to the victory again. He was fouled to win the penalty for the first goal, slotted a one-on-one with the goalkeeper calmly home for the second, and then fooled the defenders with a feint before firing the ball into the top corner from the edge of the box for the third. Now, this podcast is titled Mr. Treble because Eto won two trebles in his career. And the first of them came at Barcelona, the club he joined after his time at Real Mallorca. So let's hear about his Barcelona years now with our man in the Catalan capital, 
Roman the Archer. After a couple of excellent seasons at Real Mallorca, Samuel Eto'o signed for Barcelona after tough negotiations between Mallorca, Barca and Real Madrid. It was a three-way negotiation because despite being a Mallorca player, Real Madrid had a preferential purchase option and Florentino Pérez wasn't willing to give him up easily to the eternal rivals. It all started in the summer of 2004 when Luis Aragonés, who was Mallorca's coach at the time, sat down with Eto'o to talk about his future. The Cameroonian player was happy at Mallorca, so it was actually Luis Aragonés who told him it was time to move on to a bigger club. Eto'o was caught by surprise. Hearing this from his manager after a great season in which he'd scored 22 goals for Mallorca made no sense to him. But if anyone could pull off a stunt like that, it had to be Luis Aragonés. As a matter of fact, after that recommendation to Eto'o, he picked up the phone and called Chiqui Begristain, Barca's director of football back then, to ask if he wanted to sign the striker. The offer was then passed on to President Joan Laporta, who held Aragonés as a very wise man and decided he had to sign Eto'o no matter what. Barca's initial offer of 21 million euros was accepted by Mallorca, and the deal with Eto'o was also completed. But Florentino decided he would match the offer to avoid Eto from signing for Barca. But the Cameroonian was a firm on his, his decision and was even willing to play another year at Mallorca to then freely sign for the Catalan club. After very tense three-way negotiations, Barca closed the deal for 24 million euros, 12 for Mallorca and 12 for Madrid, who then used that money to sign Michael Owen. Barca definitely made the better deal, and Eto'o had an immediate impact for the club by scoring in his official league debut in a 2-0 win versus Racing de Santander. He would then be essential in Barca's conquering of the league title, scoring a total of 24 goals. Or was it 25? The Pichichi that year was given to Diego Forlan who scored 25 goals, because Marca, who's in charge of providing this trophy, considered that a goal scored by Eto'o at the Camp Nou against Mallorca, which the ref assigned to the Cameroonian in his match report, wasn't his. In that goal, Deco shot from outside the box and Eto'o made an attempt to jump away from the ball, but he claims it hit his heel before going in. The ref and Deco seemed to agree, but not Marca. So despite Eto'o's indignation, the Pichichi was given to Villarreal's Forlan. But I'm sure now that's a thing of the past. Especially after that incredible year Eto'o and Barca had in the 2005-2006 season, in which he did win the Pichichi with 26 goals, just one more than Valencia's David Villa. But even better was surely winning his second consecutive league title, as well as scoring in the Champions League final in that epic comeback against Arsenal, to then lift the title for the first time. And his best year was yet to come in the 2008-2009 season, in which he scored 36 goals in 52 games in Pep Guardiola's first season at the club. Even though it has to be said that their relationship wasn't great. As soon as Pep Guardiola was appointed manager, he informed the club and players that he had to renew the squad by getting rid of three heavyweights, Ronaldinho, Deco and Eto'o. 
the first two left, but with Eto'o it played out differently. He became the team's top scorer in preseason and his attitude was exemplary, which made Guardiola change his mind, publicly admitting that now he wanted him to stay. And what a great decision that was. Together they led Barca to win its first treble, the league, Copa del Rey and Champions League. Furthermore, that season Eto'o scored against Madrid in a 2-0 win at the Camp Nou and played the full 90 minutes at the Bernabeu in that unforgettable 6-2 thrashing. He only scored four goals in the Champions League, but three of them in the knockout stages. First in the round of 16 against Lyon, then in the quarterfinals against Bayern Munich, and once again he proved crucial in a Champions League final by scoring in Barca's 2-0 win versus Manchester United. This is Iniesta though. Oh, Eto's opened it up. Oh, how about that for smashing grab? It's been all Manchester United. But after nine minutes, Samuel Eto'o crowns the first real attack. Despite all the success, the same story took place all over again in summer between Eto and Guardiola, but with a different ending. Eto left Interbound after five unforgettable seasons at Barcelona, and both the club and the camera union kept expanding their legacies, but following different paths. So Eto'o had won one treble, but as Roman explained in the summer of 2009, it was finally time for him to depart and to do so by moving to Italy, leaving Spain after over a decade in the country. We'll hear about what happened next in the Eto story after this short break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown podcast on the career of Samuel Eto'o. 
We've heard about the success he achieved in Spain, winning titles at Mallorca and Barcelona, but then he departed in the summer of 2009 to Jose Mourinho's Inter Milan and won a second treble in a row. Here's Conor Clancy of Forza Italian Football to explain what happened there. Eto was phenomenal for that Inter team. And it's quite strange because it's not often that a club gets the chance to sign someone who is going to go on to finish second in the Ballon d'Or, someone who has just won a treble and someone who has just scored 36 goals across the course of a season. And not only to sign them, but to sign them and make a profit in doing so. So Barcelona paying whatever it was, 40-odd million and... Samuel Eto to get Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now you look back at that and from an Inter perspective, you think that's one of the best pieces of business that has ever been done in football. And Eto's transformation was phenomenal. It was crazy under Mourinho because Pep Guardiola didn't really want him, didn't really see a place for him at the camp now, basically thinking that Eto had this selfish side to him and he was just a goal scorer and that he couldn't fit into his team. He wasn't willing to, to give everything for the greater good of the side. But when it came to playing for Mourinho at Inter, that's exactly what he did. So if you look at their front line, he had this partnership with Diego Melito, which was almost kind of a front three because you had Diego Melito up top. But then you also had Goran Pandev, which is kind of funny to look back at given that Pandev has only really had those years at Inter and I suppose a little bit at Napoli as well, where he was on top of the world. But Eto was just another piece, you know? He wasn't the superstar forward, but he contributed to... He scored 16 goals in all competitions in that first season at Inter. And he's he went on to win back-to-back trebles while finishing second in the Ballon d'Or. It's crazy to think. You look at it, and Diego Melito gets a lot of the, the plaudits, the headlines from that season but without Eto his goals wouldn't have happened it's it's quite telling for me that you look at the final in Madrid when they beat when they beat Bayern and Eto was the only of the, the only one of the front three who finished the game and that's probably because Mourinho trusted him to to do more than what he thought was possible of the others you know he was able to do the defensive work he wasn't just thinking about scoring goals he was only thinking about making Inter win. Samuel Eto's importance to that Inter team should, should never be overlooked. And without Mourinho, would it have happened? I'm not, I'm not so sure. Obviously, a really, really good player. But it was in those days when Mourinho just had some sort of wizardry where he could get players to give so much more than any other coach ever could. And it was a perfect marriage between Eto, Mourinho and Inter at the time, I think. In 2011, Eto was on the move again. This time he wasn't going to a well-known club. Quite the opposite. Matt Clark is going to explain where Eto went next as he began the journeyman part of his career. After leaving Inter, Eto joined Russian club Angie Makachkala in August 2011 for a fee of around 25 million euros and on a contract worth a staggering 20.5 million euros per year after tax. 
a world record at the time. Eto'o scored on his debut and ended up with 13 goals in 22 league appearances in his first season, as Angie went from 8th at the end of the regular season to 5th after the subsequent phase involving the top 8 sides. His run of 5 goals in the final 5 games helped Angie finish strongly, collecting 10 of the last 15 points. This run of form enabled them to sneak into the final qualifying place for the Europa League. During the winter break that season, Eto made a brief return to Spanish shores as Angie took part in the Copa del Sol, a friendly competition hosted in Benidorm and La Manga. Eto scored two goals as Angie finished second in their group, narrowly missing out on a place in the final. He was prolific again in 2012-13 with 21 goals in all competitions. Angie had a great season. They finished third in the league and this was accompanied by a strong Europa League campaign. After going through three rounds to qualify, they progressed from a group containing Liverpool and managed to beat them at home. They eventually went out in the last 16 to Newcastle, but Eto'o had scored nine goals in 16 appearances, including qualifying. He was also instrumental in Angie's Russian Cup run. In the quarterfinals, he scored the winner in extra time after coming on as a sub against Dinamo Moscow before scoring the only goal of the semi against Zenit St. Petersburg. Agonisingly, he couldn't lead them all the way as they lost on penalties in the final to CSK in Moscow, despite Eto scoring his penalty in the shootout. This proved to be his last game for Angie, as the summer of 2013 yielded a cost-cutting program and a big sell-off of star players. Among the highest earners and still capable of attracting wealthy suitors, Eto's departure was priority number one. He decided to venture back into the top European leagues once again, and where better than a reunion with old coach Jose Mourinho at Chelsea. Having conquered La Liga and Serie A, it was clear that Eto'o wanted to add the Premier League to his trophy cabinet. It took him a while to find his feet though, his first Premier League goal coming in October against Cardiff. He scored again a month later, but injuries and rotation meant he couldn't get a consistent run in the side. He scored the winner against Liverpool over the festive period, but his best game was yet to come. After being benched for the early January fixtures, Eto'o was given a recall for the home game against Manchester United. The rest had clearly done him good, because he smashed in a hat-trick before the hour mark as Chelsea recorded a big win. Eto'o only scored three further goals in the Premier League, but that did include strikes against London rivals Arsenal and Tottenham. Curiously, all nine of his league goals came at Stamford Bridge. He stayed in England when his year's contract was up, signing for Everton. He scored on his debut, ironically against Chelsea, in a 6-3 defeat. He also scored once in the Europa League as he declared his ambition to win that competition. He scored a brace in a 3-1 win at Burnley, but that was the sum total of his time at Goodison. With just four goals in 20 appearances altogether, it's fair to say that his time with the Toffees represented a sticky patch in his glittering career. He returned to Italy in January 2015 by joining Sampdoria. But again, he enjoyed a largely unremarkable time there, scoring just twice in 18 appearances. However, in the penultimate game of the season, he came off the bench at Empoli to score a late equaliser in a 1-1 draw. This point was crucial in enabling Samp to qualify for the Europa League, ironically at the expense of Eto's old club Inter. This was Eto's last goal in the major European leagues, but for the Genoan club it was massive. Eto's next destination was Turkey, Antalya Spor, and in contrast to his last couple of clubs, he really did hit the ground running. He scored a brace on debut against Istanbul Bajakşehir, and then scored in eight consecutive match days between October and December. He finished the season with an impressive 20 goals in 31 appearances. He proved this wasn't a freak when he followed it up the following season with 18 in 30, including a hat-trick in a 5-2 win away at Adanaspor. If there were some who thought he was over the hill after Inter, 
he showed there was still life in the goal-scoring boots. He started the following season in decent form too, scoring six times in 15 appearances, but amid some injury issues at the turn of the year, his contract was ended by mutual consent. He stayed in Turkey, joining Konyaspor. True to form, Eto scored on his league debut. He scored 6 in 13 in total for them. A good return, but beyond this, he was a talismanic figure. When he arrived, Konyaspor were in the relegation zone, in part due to extra matches in the Europa League group stages. But Eto's goals edged them towards safety. His six goals came in five separate matches. Konyaspor won all five, the only five they won following his arrival. Eto really was the magic man whose goals helped ensure their survival. He left Turkey having scored at a rate better than a goal every two games. Eto's final destination was Qatar SC and he continued to find the net albeit with less regularity. He scored 6 in 17 in the league but the club struggled and finished second bottom of the league. They managed to avoid relegation by winning the playoff. Despite hinting that he wanted to play for another year, Eto finally decided to hang up his boots in September 2019 at the age of 38. So that was Eto's club career, but what about his international career? What did he achieve when playing for his country Cameroon? To tell us all about this side of the Eto story, here's Sam Leverage. Samuel Eto'o's career with Cameroon at an international level was just as full of stories as it was at a club level. It all began when he was still 15 years old, the day before his 16th birthday, he made his debut in March 1997 against Costa Rica in a game that didn't really go according to plan, ending in a 5-0 defeat. He would continue to pick things up, though. He became the youngest player at the 1998 World Cup, the first of four World Cups that he would feature in, captaining Cameroon in 2010 and 2014, and also featuring in 2002, scoring three goals in those tournaments and proving that he was really one of the leaders in that Cameroon side, even at a young age. He was one of the star men for that team, and that was proven when he was donning the armband in 2010 in South Africa, scoring two goals, although both games ended in defeat against Denmark and the Netherlands. It was in the Olympics, though, where he would enjoy his great success in 2000 in Sydney, where he would actually go on to win the gold medal with Cameroon, sparking wild celebrations in the country who couldn't quite believe the success that they had had under the, the leadership of Jean-Paul Ocono. And it was actually Eto who scored in the final against Spain, the country where he was forging his career. And Eto was not afraid to score against that side. And it was a historic moment for the country. Off the field, though, his career was always surrounded by controversy on the international scene, and it all began in 2008. The first real clash that he had as he clashed with a journalist in a press conference, headbutting Philippe Bonny, and then later having to pay for his medical expenses after he suffered injuries. Three years later, in 2011, he was banned by his own football federation for 15 matches after he refused to play in a game against Algeria with all of his teammates joining him in. And that ban was later reduced, so it didn't impact him for too many games, only missing four in total. But he was heavily criticised, despite the controversy about whether that was the right course of action to take by the Federation or not. Another year later, in 2012, he again refused to play, this time acting out on his own, refusing to play in an African Cup of Nations qualification playoff. And it took the Prime Minister of the country, Philemon Yang, to intervene and to beg Eto to return. Eventually he did so for the second leg, but it was too little too late for Cameroon and they would miss out in the end. 
after the 2014 World Cup, where he again donned the captain armband for Cameroon in the ultimate international level tournament, he would go on to announce his retirement from international football, having completed a move to Everton in August 2014. And he brought an end to a career with 124 appearances for his country. And he still remains to this day Cameroon's leading goal scorer with 56 goals for his nation. So this has been the Samuel Eto story, the story of how he arrived in Spain, went out on some loans, became a legend in Mallorca, won back-to-back trebles in Barcelona and in Milan, went to a series of clubs in a variety of leagues and won trophies with his national team. My thanks go out to Paco Pollitt, Alex Fitzpatrick, Roman de Arquer, Connor Clancy, Matt Clark and Sam Leverage for each of their contributions to this podcast. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and I thank you very much for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.